This is episode 42 of the weekly eye-catching words podcast, published on the 19th of September 2023. Hello and welcome to the weekly eye-catching words podcast. My name is Justin Dix and as usual I'll be ranting and raving about the things that have happened to me that matter to me and that might matter to me in the future. So this week I'll be looking at the week in view as I always do. Meeting the Loch Ness Monster very briefly. This is rather bizarre. Looking at the great British breakfast debate and proving yet again that there are no depths of shallowness to which our media cannot sink, but let's be honest, we like it like that because we're British. I'm going to be celebrating getting old for the simple reason that it is my birthday today, and there are a few things going around in the media about older people both demonising and celebrating and just basically helping the process along. If you don't want to listen to the whole podcast, you can find the different sections on the website at www.icatchingwords.blog. Let's get going with Nessie. The Loch Ness Monster Song Snowful Scratch hash gabble gabble fox fuck Zgra cra ga fuck Gruff gruff gaff Gumble boom That was the Loch Ness Monsters song by Edwin Morgan and I hope you enjoyed that. It was less than a minute, even if it was really, really strange. Described as the most dynamic, brilliant, freewheeling poet around, accessible and inventive by the Scotsman until he died uh, at the age of 2010. Uh, some of his other poems are a little less experimental, so it's really worth subscribing to Poetry Archive or just taking a look at their website. I have to tell you, the Loch Ness Monster song is amazing to listen to, and it's just as amazing when you see the lyrics written down on the page. But even if we don't always understand it, let's try and keep poetry alive. So, the week in view. Well, my week was dominated by academic success. Not mine, I hasten to add, but my eldest son, who graduated at the age of 33 with a first-class honours degree in medieval and early modern history from Canterbury Christchurch University. 
and we went to see his graduation in the magnificent setting of Canterbury Cathedral and a wonderful day it was too. We followed this up with a graduation party, a surprise graduation party, on the Sunday in our local cricket club. Now it's interesting that the weather's been absolutely brilliant for the last two weeks, but the only two days on which it rained were, yes, you guessed it, the graduation day and the graduation party day. It rained spectacularly on the party day, but fortunately we had taken precautions and had a weatherproof venue. Graduation is a wonderful thing, uh, not least because you get the chance to go out and get really, really drunk afterwards. Again, not me, my son. It's an immense achievement, and wherever he goes from here now, as the song goes, they can't take that away from me. The other thing that characterised the week is birthdays galore. My mother-in-law, uh, commonly known as the Yoga Mama, uh, celebrated her 80-something birthday, um, and she's uh, doing very well on it. Thank you very much. Um, but uh, all the best people are Virgos, so my birthday is today. And uh, the woman I like to think of as my future daughter-in-law has her birthday tomorrow. The other thing that really st stuck out personally last week was rats and birds. Uh, we got back very late from my son's graduation in Canterbury, went to bed and were woken up at two o'clock in the morning with a dead rat on the bedroom floor and a cat meowing to show us how clever he'd been. This was followed up the following day by two more dead rats in the garden and a dead bird. Well, that's what you call a prolific haul. As we have two cats, we're not quite sure which ones were responsible for which, but fortunately it seems to have stopped as quickly as it started. Probably because we changed their cat food. Uh, perhaps it was just a dead animal protest. The other thing that happened in the news, which I am very pleased about, was that Britain has rejoined the Horizons project. Now, you, you may have missed this, you may not have done. Uh, personally, I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, the Horizons project is an £85 billion fund run across Europe to provide grants and opportunities to steer science, to steer innovation, to provide ethically sound projects that scientists can apply to the fund uh, for funding for. We've been locked out of this fund since uh, 2020 because of, yes, bloody Brexit. Uh, yet another, I mean, Britain didn't just cut off its nose to spite its face. It cut off its lips, its ears, it poked its eyes out, it shaved its head, it stabbed itself in the brain with a blunt chisel. You name it, we did it. And the Horizons Project was one example of one of the things we did to make life more difficult for ourselves. But we're back. Rishi Sunak has celebrated the fact by saying, yes, we are back. Just ignoring the fact that his party and all the idiots in it took us away from this and denied British scientists three years of access to grants but also three years of access to the goodwill and networking of colleagues across Europe. Hopefully this is one of the many examples of how we will start to re-strengthen our ties with Europe. And it's good. It is very, very good to see the Labour Party now talking about renegotiating the Brexit deal and setting a new tone to our debate and our relationship with Europe. Long may it continue.
Warning! The next section has quality issues. This is due to the fact that amateur podcasters sometimes get confused when twiddling their norms. Do not adjust your set. A letter appeared in the Spectator magazine this week asking whatever happened to fried bread. This was part of a bigger debate about the history and future of the Great British Breakfast. I haven't followed the earlier bits of the debate, but it was noted that there were comments about the right composition of the English breakfast plate and two areas in in particular, one of which, should we have hash browns or are they an American thing? And the other one was the role of baked beans, which some people feel are too encroaching. This is a bit like a sort of Brexit debate, a bit like immigration. Baked beans are taking over our breakfast plate. We should stop them at the borders. So that was the, actually the conclusion, that baked beans were okay as long as they were segregated, which I think, uh, following my wife's particular example, means putting them in a little bowl on the side of the plate, not eating them and giving them to me. So I'm the one that gets fat on beans. The hash brown issue, I think, is a... a an interesting one. The, the commentator in the letters column at The Spectator said that we should include hash browns on the grounds of inclusion and diversity. But going back to fried bread, he was bemoaning the fact that no one seems to have fried bread anymore. And it is true, actually. I do like fried bread. I've always loved fried bread. It made me ask the question, why don't I have fried bread? Apart from the obvious answer, which is that it's full of oil. Bread just soaks it up. And of course, it's very bad for you compared to toast. And of course, toast is easier and quicker. That does remind me of a time when my mum came to stay at my house about 30, 35 years ago, when olive oil was just becoming a big thing for middle class people like me. And I used to pride myself on buying good quality olive oil. And I came down one morning to find my mother cooking breakfast, using my very best olive oil for salad dressings to make frying bread which, given the price of olive oil in those days, had me reeling in the, in the, in the doorway. Mum, you can't do that. It's only oil, dear. It's only oil, dear. But uh, Bubble and Squeak, I feel the need to stick up for Bubble and Squeak because surely Bubble and Squeak is much more important than hash browns on a breakfast plate. And when I was young, nostalgia, Bubble and Squeak was proper Bubble and Squeak. If you had mashed potato and cabbage for dinner the night before, it would get all mixed up, fried and served on your breakfast plate the next day. But of course, in this age we live in, you find bubble and squeak served in gastro pumps and restaurants where it's Cavallo Nero and finest Pembrokeshire new potatoes, which is, you know, it's a leftover. My wife then Googled this, but came to the surprising historical uh, fact that Bubble and Squeak, as we know it today, is a relatively modern post-Second World War invention. Actually, Bubble and Squeak, according to Mrs. Beaton, is cabbage, uh, boiled beef and onions all mixed up and fried together. Which I have to say, even if I wasn't a vegan, I'm not sure that would work for me. Frying beef that's already been boiled. Ugh. I would like to talk more about Mrs. Beaton at some stage. She, her book, The Book of Household Management, is freely available on the internet because it's so old. It's part of the Gutenberg project, which tries to make books available to everyone. 
once they're out of copyright. Mrs. Beaton's book is absolutely fascinating. I was having a look at it the other day, coincidentally, and I will try and do something about it in these podcasts over the coming months because it really is a very interesting social commentary and a lot of it is not about food. So listen in if you want to find out in a future episode how to receive guests. So my 65th birthday, now there was a time when 65 was when you got to get your state pension and it had all those kind of overturns associated with it that turning 18 or turning 21 did. Unfortunately, I've got to wait another year for my state pension for all sorts of reasons of public policy, some of which I don't agree with, some of which I do. I have set out my stall for the next year. I'm going to stop working in November of this year and uh, I have got plans to manage to get through to my state pension age. I am going to be doing fine. But the 66 thing doesn't just stop there. I can't get my free bus pass until I'm 66 because that is now the new baseline. So not that I'm a great user of Surrey's buses. Surrey's buses tend to be... Well, let's just say that not many people in Surrey use buses unless they have to. Uh, So there's a built-in kind of discrimination there. And they're not very comfortable and they take a long, long time to get anywhere. And they only run every third Tuesday of the month, I think. I'm not sure. It's a long time since I've been on one. Anyway, there was an article in The Guardian last week about the strangest attitudes we have towards ageing in this country. Now... I'm not sure if this is a global phenomenon or a British phenomenon. I mean, you tend to think people talk about Italy and say, oh, in Italy, people are are revered and uh, old age is venerated and uh, you all sit around the table eating pasta and everything is wonderful and old people make smutty jokes that young people laugh at. You know, it's like a godfather wedding. Everyone's happy until they start killing each other. But the article in The uh, Guardian last week by Martha Gill, entitled FOGO, Our Fear of fear of Growing Old, which she claims is sweeping the land, which makes it sound like a pandemic. But actually, I think people have always scared getting old. Uh, and some people like me, I think, actually are more scared of getting old than dying because... Uh, increasingly because of the discrimination, because of the state of our care system and because I saw my mother sitting in a care home watching television all day in between my visits and I felt bad about it and I really don't want that for me. So yes we do all have FOGO, we all have fear of growing old. But what I think is a something of a new phenomenon is the active discrimination against older people and people like Marina Hyde in The Guardian who write articles as she did a few months ago basically demonising older people. So at the moment there seems to be uh, quite a few reasons to fear growing old and it's not just fear of the Zimmer frame or fear of not being able to remember where you put your glasses, which actually I've had glasses since I was nine years old and I am forever losing them. So that's got nothing whatsoever to do with uh, uh, getting old. Anyway, as I reach my 65th birthday and think about it, I 
I've decided I'm going to try and be relaxed. And the first thing I'm going to stop doing is playing up to my age because uh, there is a tendency as you get old to start making jokes at your own expense. So I'm going to stop doing that. And in fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to embrace the naughty, the stylish, the outrageous in some cases. I am going to be an icon of individuality because I think that's the only real avenue open to you. Other than that, you sink into this tide of invisibility. And this is something I was talking to a couple of people yesterday who are many years older than me, actually. And it was something that uh, Barry Humphreys talked about in an interview. And in fact, my own brother mentioned this many years ago uh, when he turned 60, I think it was, that you tend to become invisible. Well, I don't actually I don't actually buy into that. I think you can be as visible as you want to. And frankly, Barry Humphreys was a pretty visible person. And if you've ever met my brother, you'll know he's an outrageously visible person who's still working at the age of 75. And uh, he's very good at hogging limelight, actually. Um, so I am 65. The concessions are better, even though I do have to wait for my bus pass and my state pension. Concessions, dear boy, concessions, to paraphrase uh, a well-known politician of the 1930s. Um, I will not fear growing old. I will not fear going into that grey space. And I will certainly challenge any demonisation of older people. So watch out, Marina Hyde, if I bump into you at a Guardian Masterclass or anywhere else. I shall have something to say. Old people are entitled to be full citizens of society. And now that I am officially outside of the 55 to 64 National Statistical Office bracket, I will make sure that I embrace life to the full. So a few last words and a bit of planning ahead. Get yourselves geared up for International Day of Older Persons on the 1st of October. Uh, so following on from what I've just said, this is your day when actually I think if you want to celebrate International Day of Older Persons, all you should do is treat older people respectfully, individually, and really just like everyone else in society. They'll just catch us when we fall. That's, that was a joke at my own expense. I didn't mean that. Uh, more scarily, more scary even than growing old. It is, as of now, 98 days until Christmas. Yes, that C word. So you heard it here first. You've only got a few more episodes of the Eye Catching Podcast before we hit Christmas, in which time I will be re-evaluating the future of this pilot and thinking about where I take it from there. I am thinking of starting a second or, or, or alternative podcast devoted to bigging up woking, but we'll see if that concept gets enough support for me to merit doing it. So that's all for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it, particularly the Loch Ness Monster poem, which I think is absolutely fabulous. Uh, for a play out this week, we've got Boney M singing Ra Ra Rasputin, which I heard on the radio the other day. Yes, I was dancing in the kitchen to it. 
Rara Rasputin has probably got some of the worst lyrics of any song ever written, but it is annoyingly toe-tapping and annoyingly head-nodding. So just enjoy it. That's all from me this week. See you again next time. something about this outrageous man became louder and louder. So he was.
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please check out the website. You can find this at www.icatchingwords.blog. If you want to contribute an article, want to be interviewed, or just have an idea that you think we should explore, please send this into the email address that you can find on the site. You can also leave voice comments on Spotify. The Eye-Catching Words podcast is published every Tuesday on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. This podcast was recorded, assembled and edited in Hindenburg Pro. The script and elements were mapped out using MindNode. Incidental music and sound effects were supplied by Soundstripe, and voiceovers were produced using Revoicer.